this pandemic right now, I'm just, I'm over it. I'm like, it's really hard for me to like not have that feeling of like, I'm creating something from A to Z. I need to touch something, like whether it's roast, put it together. Like I'm gonna cup Rwandan coffees that we haven't had Rwandan coffee in our company and we're finally going to get some, which is great. And that is one of the most exciting things to me. Cause I'm like, cool, I'm gonna find some flavors and then we'll talk about developing them with somebody. And it's like, I had a hand in like doing something that I can physically give to somebody. Cause you can't bring a community together right now. So I don't really have anything else to like connect with community except for the internet, which I hate. The internet's so dumb. The internet is draining all, all of the us. But it's our is, only way to connect the with internet anybody. The internet is ridiculous. I know. I'd argue that there are other ways to connect. People are, are just defaulting to the internet because it seems easier. It is. Yeah. It's easier than like just picking up the phone and calling sometimes calling yeah or like creating something that people could interact with that doesn't necessarily right. feel like connection but it probably well not probably for me that's where i find much more connection and sustained connection than simply logging on commenting on things and logging off logging back on commenting on things and logging off it's like some people are on the internet some people are on instagram all the time right now right i'm i would much rather you dude write a fucking article about something that you're really passionate about and share that with people mm-hmm. um make a piece of art that you're excited about and then share that with people which is kind of what you're talking That's about what I'm talking about with making coffee something. and yeah. i think there are other ways to to get that it might be different than what we're used to for sure Right. But I've been thinking about that a lot because one of the things that I don't want for myself coming out of this pandemic is, well, cool, everything was shut down. So I just went really hard on posting Instagram stories every Mm -hmm. day and that's and reposting other shit. And that's kept me connected because that's fucking not that's not what connection is. No, that's what I think I'm struggling with is like I I do best by being like performing and or creating. And both of those things I'm used to doing in a certain way. And I don't necessarily feel like I have resources right now or even like necessarily like the understanding of how to approach it in another way right now. It's so weird because I put so much time when we have put so much time into building cat and cloud that it's like, okay, now it's how do we be creative from this level we're at in the way that like fills us up, not in the way that's just for the business. Right. Well, I think, okay, let's brainstorm that right here. Let's, we should brainstorm, let's go should brainstorm that all day long. Okay. So let's start really basic. You're going to go in and cup some coffees. These are coffees that we haven't bought yet. We're trying to figure out what to buy. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, let's do a different kind of coffee launch. Yeah. You know, how can we do a coffee launch that feels different? Yeah. There's a million, there's a million different ways, right? Yeah, so that's, that's you, where I'm at. You've got the buying, dialing in the roast and then roasting. Sure. So then you have a product to give to some, somebody, something, yep. and then somebody you have there, you know. something that you can generate around, around that. Right. Right. Like, There's um, energy that'll come with that because I'll actually be excited about it in some capacity. Yeah. Or you could do like, okay, we're going to do like, I always think of red, the color red when mm-hmm. I think of Rwanda and I have no idea why reds and purples for me too. I think, yeah, something some about, yellow too. something about the flavor that yeah. often reminds me of pomegranate for some reason, right. like broad sweeping generalizations. Mm-hmm. And then I think back in the day, it was 2006, maybe Billy or maybe the year before Billy Wilson mm. did roses for Rwanda. Billy Wilson 
started barista mm-hmm. the you know what do you call it i was almost said it was a cafe chain but it's cafes in portland called yeah. barista yeah he did albina press and then he, he worked at albina press yeah started barista so a lot of people will know him as the person who owns barista now mm-hmm. but if you've been in the game for a while he was the first person who Kind of played both sides of the fence. He well, for all intents and purposes, he's just, let's just call it what it is. He's a fucking. He was a barista superstar. He was yeah, like he the was barista. The mm-hmm. He was, he was probably the dude all around locally and you know nationwide. He was active on the coffee message boards, which were invitation only message board. It right. was really dope back in the day. He had, you know, his. He was on the cover of like the Willamette Weekly, which is a, I don't know much about it, but it's an independent local, you know, Portland area news magazine. He was in the Bellissimo Mm -hmm. ABC school, you know, latte art videos, and he was crushing it at barista competitions, you know, multiple time, multiple time regional Mm -hmm. winner. And he was also a kick-ass barista in real life. He worked every day as a barista. So for me coming into the whole shit, he was like my hero. I was yeah. like, this guy's dope because he's, he's what I want to be. He's actually working bar. He's killing it at competition and he's doing weird things. And when I say weird things, if we look back at competition, back in the day when you had you know your three courses, single espresso, single cappuccino, and then a flight of signature beverage. Yeah. And a lot of times what you would get back then is just some kind of weird watered down version of, oh, it's like a really tiny mocha or yeah, it was it wasn't terribly creative. Nothing super insane. You know, you would see some stuff pop up here and there, but it was just kind of what it was. Um, also, back in the day, single origin espresso, not common at all. That's true. It was super weird. Right. It was considered not uncool, but just very not commonplace. I mean, and, even two bean blends at that point were pretty rare. Oh yeah, and I remember progressive two thousand and I think it was also six USBC. There were people who were using Stumptown Hairbender, right? And these were the days where nobody knew what was in the espresso blend. Yeah, six to eight beans. Like, we just knew that for it's sure. It's some kind of beans. It's a trade secret. Nobody knows mm-hmm. what it is. And then some people had this information from Dwayne. They're like, I don't know what it is, but I know that there's four or five coffees in here or whatever. Oh, it was. yeah, it was and, five. Was and like one of them's from Guatemala. Yeah. And you knew it wasn't Brazil because at the time Stumptown didn't buy any Brazil. Yeah. Which was... You could pretty much guess an Ethiopian coffee and an Indonesian coffee were in there for sure. And so, the rest, who knows? Who knows what the fuck was right. in there? So, and it was risky to use single origin coffee in competition because the way the score sheet was, people Didn't were work. like, don't use it yeah. because it's not going to work. Mm. So Billy's one of the first people, if not the first person to be, Hey, I'm going to use multiple grinders. There's no That's rule right. against it. So I'm going to bring another grinder. I'm going to throw single origin in it. Mm-hmm. We'll use that for maybe the signature beverage or the that. straight espresso. And we'll do the, you know, hairbender and the cappuccino, Yeah, which that it sounds so basic right now. But back then it was, oh shit, that's kind of crazy. Right. Like, that's fucking nuts. And I remember 2006 at USBC that year, he had this thing that he called Hairbender Espuma, which was, I don't know what it was, but it was some kind of crazy foam 
that he charged in a nitrogen canister. It mm. wasn't whipped cream, not even no, close. No, he probably used like the uh, soy lecithin, lecithin stuff Maybe. Or it might have even had egg white in it, like oh, a yeah. cocktail, but it, it foamed up and he had these like big, huge, crazy straws in it. And it was just something that was weird yeah. and different. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And I can't remember if it was the year before or the year after because I get things flip-flopped a lot. Um, little attention to detail stuff. So back in the day, the judges also used to stand. Oh, he, the stools? Yeah. yeah. He was the first person, I remember, in the NWRBC Northwest Regional mm-hmm. at the Wonder Ballroom in Portland. I was going to say, I remember that. He brought stools for all the judges to sit on right and all these little things that were like everyone's like oh my god it's so obvious but no one's ever thought of it it's just such a great service move a fucking stool which is psychotic that there's no stools for judges to sit on these people are standing up for the whole weekend for the whole weekend espresso and for eight hours a day yeah and they didn't flip-flop them at the time so you would judge like six people in a row so you're just standing up for hours getting pretty super jacked yeah full freak out who the fuck is in charge so billy's bringing stools (laughs) And that was the year that he did the first time that I'd ever, not even I'd ever seen, the first time for sure where he did the sodium alginite, yeah. calcium chloride, and he created these little the espresso caviars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this really awesome looking, it looked like actual caviar oh, on sure. some sort of bed of foam where you'd like scoop it and... Instead of having drinking it, he had almost like, I think I remember it was like a clamshell looking kind of big spoon. I remember that. Where you would kind yeah. of scoop it, put it in your mouth, and then like crunch them. Squish em. down, and then like the, the espresso would explode, and then it'd mix with the foam. Just really cool shit like that. Oh, yeah. And then the other side of the coin was he was known for doing these really simple and elegant things. And one year he did this Roses for Rwanda, single origin espresso from Rwanda over is a rose water Americano. So that was mm. the only ingredients and people judges were really giving him shit for it. Cause it wasn't. Yeah. They said it was just too basic, too simple. And he is such a coffee geek. You know, he was leading the charge. He's like, this is simple in its ingredients, but it's perfect with the coffee, right? Like, this is what's happening in the coffee. Also, this may be the first use of single origin coffee in a competition. This is how the pure expression needs to be. Don't like, knock the game. Yeah, yeah. The ingenious part is that, hey, I'm using single origins. Nobody else is. Like, can I right. get something for that, please? Also, I'm accentuating a flavor profile of something that no one's ever had. Right. And let's just let's do it. And so he would do these really seemingly basic things that were super thoughtful and awesome. And right. then also these really psychotically technical things that people would just replicate for years and years and years to come. Yeah. He was, and, he was definitely good at that. He pushed those limits hard and, and he was the first to kind of go deep into the culinary side and mix it for sure. He was the first mm-hmm. by, a, and he was, you know, I was like, how do you figure this shit out? Cause right. It wasn't as easy to find information then. No, there wasn't had, a YouTube books. tutorial for everything. And he was like, dude, I talked to bartenders. I talked to all these people in the Portland food scene. He's like, I'm super active about it. I'm yeah. putting it all together. And I thought that was just the coolest shit ever. Right. Which was a f- hard tangent on Rwandan coffee. But I, well, it was on, a, but it was more on being creative and trying to put something out there that you're excited and proud about. Yes. And, and gathering energy from it. And I think I don't have the answer, but. The pandemic is kind of like a barista competition in the sense of 
the rules that you have to play by can kind of funnel your energy or they can make it fall really flat and you can do all this bullshit cop out stuff. Right. And the cop outs that you would see in a barista competition were, so for those that don't know, every flight of drinks was a single, single espresso, single cappuccino, mm-hmm. and then a signature beverage. And sometimes you could use extra espresso and a signature beverage yeah, to if bring you the coffee to. level up. Mm-hmm. But there are very strict rules about what was happening in the other flights. So you would see people doing the what I thought was the stupidest, laziest, most dumb shit ever. They'd get to their signature beverage, signature beverage and they're like, since I'm really passionate barista and I really... You know, we need, we serve double espressos in the cafes and all these are singles and you're just really not getting it. For my signature beverage, I've made a double macchiato. And I'm like, you fucking loser. That is the <laughs> dumbest shit ever. It's like, it's just so oh, brainless. Yeah, like totally. And I don't know. It just doesn't, it's like you've thought about it when you woke up this morning. I'm so hardcore. I'm going to make them a double espresso it's instead. Freaking so sad. You know, and some people would do that shit for their regular courses. Like, I only pull doubles, and they would just get DQ'd. And right. I'm like, dude, what kind of point are you proving None. by getting DQ'd? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. You got to take the framework and then work in it and make Expound. something that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, okay, cool. I have these restrictions. What am I going to do within these restrictions? Right. And someone like Billy was like really ahead of the game on that and was yeah. super inspiring to me because I was like, oh, that's the way to like create a memorable experience in a barista competition. That was what he was the best at for sure. A hundred percent. And you're going to remember. You're going to remember. And I, and it was kind of this running, not joke, but people talked about it enough to where he was crushing several years in a row winning his regional and then for whatever reason things would always happen at the usbc yeah and he never got that top usbc Mm -hmm. spot and always second right second third yeah yeah, second was real common Mm -hmm. and to me i looked at it and i was like ah that sucks but whoever won that year don't remember them. Don't even remember them. Right. Who cares? Like, and some of them I do remember, but their performances. Just because they're in it. Their, Not performance, their performances. Right, and their performances weren't amazing to make me go, "Oh, that's cool." It was just standard shit. No, absolutely. And by some really cool people who were, you know, would ultimately be friends with. Well, that's different though, because what you're saying is we remember because we competed and remember who got in the order because we remember where we landed in that context. Now, who beat me? But on the flip side, what's more important is who gave a memorable presentation. And there weren't a ton of them that were actually memorable. I mean, the only other, there's a couple memorable ones from, I think, maybe that was the Long Beach year. Was that one where he got second, didn't he? He got second a couple times. Long Beach was the one where that one homegirl did like the play on the frat. Oh, and yes. Jay Carragay. With the beer helmets. Yep. And Jay Carragay poured out a shot to the homies and played uh, Gin and Snoop Juice because we were in yep. Long, Long Beach. Beach. That was the year Heather won twice. Yeah. And so those, but that, out of the whole weekend, besides my own that I remember, those are the ones that I really remember. Those three. And oh my gosh. Yeah. That was the weird 
that was like the scandal year. Do you remember that? There's a lot of stuff. I rem- oh, well, the other thing I remember is Eaton Suno calling himself the CEO of a company, and then he was all chief espresso officer. <laughs> Which I'm I'm down with Eaton. Eaton's cool. I'm down too. It's just, but that's that is a direct was. rip from Andy Newbaum, who used to mm-hmm. have that on his business cards. Yep. The it's original like just going founder of Barefoot, CEO, yep. chief espresso officer. Like, and then oh, people man. would pick that shit up and run like, with it. I think ooh, Tony had that on his business ooh, cards for a while, too. Because it was just like, ooh, it's so fun in 2007. <laughs> you can really be creative in your own special way. I'm the chief espresso officer. The dude. chief energy officer. Doing dude. my thing. I'm the, you that's go, my dude. CEO, dude. That's what's up. That's fucking, <laughs> you go put that on your card. <laughs> fucking make it happen. Scandal year? Oh, yeah. So that year... Billy didn't even make the finals in Long Beach in Long Beach. Oh, I don't remember that. So he didn't make the finals and he, I talked to him and he was noticeably pissed. Right. And I, who I didn't make the finals in the USBC. I don't think I made the finals that year either. I didn't make the finals. You didn't. I thought you got fourth till the year after I got fourth. The year after I got fourth in 2008. I got second in 2010, and then I got third in 2012. Got it. So that was the year before I had ever placed in the finals. Got it. Um, Maybe you were eighth or ninth or something. I shit. was very close. Yeah. I actually beat Billy. Okay. Or you know, I wouldn't really say it's beat. I had a higher score yeah. on the second day or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. we had Heather, who is a beast of a competitor. Yeah. Always in the finals. The champion. And then they started calling these names that no one had ever heard of. Mm. So you got all these people walking up on stage and I'm like, I don't know who the fuck that is. Right. And then someone else, I'm like, I don't know who that is either. So there were two people there who I can't even remember Heather and someone else. So like, okay, this kind of makes sense. Nick Griffith was up there that year. Maybe that was the other one that made sense. It was his first time he was competing with her. I remember that being weird because I, I felt that way. I was like, who's this dude? Oh, he trained with Heather. So there's Heather and these people that I'm like, don't know who this is. Right. And we've been in the game for a little bit at this right. point in time. So Billy, fierce competitor, starts looking back at what's happening and looking back at the score sheets and seeing where everybody shakes out. And this was before they rotated judges. So you would judge a flight yep. of you know, six or eight people or whatever. So they noticed that one group of judges had radically higher scores overall mm-hmm. than everybody else. And if you're looking at the score sheets, it just looks like they were calibrated just on a different level right? to where they were just giving out higher scores. No problem. So I think four out of the six or four out of the five people that were in their flight got moved it. on to the finals. Mm-hmm. And that was the scandal that people were talking about. We're like, what do you do when you have calibration? That's just such like strangely off. And how do you address that with not taking away anything from the competitors, but saying like, dude, these scores are out of hand. Right. And they just don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So that was like that little. That was the beginning of them probably tightening that up too, because that's where head judges probably weren't as involved in like making people calibrate as at least they became after that. No, they were loosely involved. They were kind of like there. More to like guide you through the rules, though, not to guide you through your scores. Yeah, I mean, and it was a fucking train wreck. I know for a lot so of years. Young. I mean, you had people, and maybe it still is, but you have people that are just casual observers. You pass the test, and it's mm-hmm. fine, and you're like, oh, okay, I can judge espresso now. And it's, you know, fucking people are stupid. Like they have a hard time. When you're really into something, you have a hard time letting go of your own opinion of it. 
right? Absolutely. And when you're looking at an espresso score sheet and you're an espresso nerd and it doesn't really jive with what you think espresso should be, it's going to be trouble. Because you're like, oh, I want it to be like this. And like, I get that it was balanced, but I want it to taste like this. So I gave it a two. And then the barista's like, I don't understand. Right. And I remember going back to calibrate after the fact because they would give you your score sheets and Mm -hmm. you could go talk to your judges. Right. And I was really frustrated because I was like, cool, this says four. How do I make it into a five? And they're like, yeah, it was just, you know, it just wasn't quite right. And I'm like, I get it. So this is what I need from you. I need you to tell me what wasn't right about it. Right. And tell me what would have been a five. No, I just, well, today just, it just tasted like that. You know, I'm just trying to get an extra point. Uh-huh. And like six is like, you don't even talk about six. Right. You know, like, oh, fuck. Zero to six. Like, you barely can get a six. Yeah, six, a six is like the God shot. Oh, it, yeah. my God. It's Jesus Christ. Six. And nobody could tell it. me shit. Right. Nobody, like, except for maybe Brent Fortune. Well, yeah. I mean, because he was super in he was in yeah. and he was an advocate for the people yeah he was and down. then maybe this oh this this dude barry and i'm blanking on his last name but he was active on the message boards too and or no maybe barry was like the punisher <laughs> one of those oh, ryan These brown names are funny because i'm like remembering them but not enough yeah same i mean brent for sure because we did a lot of life with brent but i'm like barry, i remember this barry person so barry was a, i think barry was a technical judge and ryan brown who was a green buyer maybe just roaster at the time at ritual. And he was like, Oh yeah, Barry, he's just, there's people who are like advocates for the baristas mm-hmm. who play the score sheet and do it well. And then there's some people who are just there to punish the baristas for doing things wrong. And I think it was Barry was basically known as the punisher. Power hungry. He was just trying to bring you down. Like anything you could do to bring you down, you know, oh, and, bear. so that shit was funny, but no one could say, anything they're like you can't that's the part that always funny at the end it's like so and it's it's you're like trying to advocate for yourself but it's over so it doesn't even matter yeah and it's hard like because in between the years of competing i would judge and it is hard to remember all the shit that they tell you oh absolutely. write down flavor notes taste it and then take good notes for them afterwards right and to do it in a tactful way totally because there's some people who just don't have their shit together. Oh, dude, that was, I remember 2011. That was the year that I got seven. I was about to make the finals. And we had done that really overly intense. It was like really technical, right? It was like the, the signature drink was splitting the shot into three different, you know, sweetness, acidity, bitterness. That was and the Zabayon year. No, that was the year. Zabayon year was good. Well, maybe I, I was Zabayon year, and then I took it to the next level for USBC. So, yeah, that was the Zabayon I think it year. was the evolution of Zabayon. Yeah. And so we did, and it was like the drink was good, but it was frustrating because I had scored super well. You were not You were doing uh, Brewer's Cup that year. Brewer's Cup. So you had won the regional, and I would gotten third at the regional, and Pete won like he always does because that was what Pete Licata does is win. Fucking Pete, dude. He's very good at winning. Calm down, Pete. <laughs> I know. But what was crazy is like that that presentation, and you helped me with like the wording of it, it was epically good, and it was a finals presentation. And even the coffee and everything tasted better on the day I should have gone to finals. But the dude who judged me in the first day compared my first day's drink to the second day and scored it down because he liked the one on the first day better and he told everybody in the group to score it down and that happened too and you like that is actually against the rules of judging and so at the end when he told me that i was like that's not allowed you're supposed to judge it on the day and it doesn't even matter like i miss it by like half a point 
And that stuff is so frustrating because you're like, great. So what you're saying is like you preferred the drink on the day one. But if you were to score it as is, it probably would have scored similarly. And some people scored it better on the next day. But you you talked about the day before. And now I can't even do anything about it. It's just It's just over now. Like see, it, the, the game is over. And even though the rules were broke, the game is over. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, and we've moved past that, but I just remember being so in that year. And well, it's a bummer because you put in hella work and effort and energy into this shit. And it's at the whim of people who have barely practiced and hardly know the rules. The, yeah. And, and don't it, know what it's supposed to taste like to begin with. Yeah. Like when you nailed the taste on day two. And, and I remember you tasted it with me. You're like, oh, this is better today. Day two is better. I know. I remember 100%. That day. And it was a crusher day. Yeah. That's the, oh, and again, that's, that the, that's so like the hardest part about judging. It's like, right. It doesn't actually matter what you enjoyed more. Yeah. It matters what did well today. according to the score sheet. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And part of that is having this enjoyable experience, but it's not like a box like, did you like it? Yes or no. <laughs> and he's all, I liked it yesterday better. So you know, therefore. It's like, mm, I'm going to pass on this yeah. one. Lucky know. you. You got it two days in a row. Not really feeling it. It's it's pretty weird. That was such a fun presentation to give to, and I really wish it would have gone further. Because they would have been, I mean, you know, now everybody watches it until the last day. Yeah. But that was like a fun and impactful presentation. That was really hard. <laughs> that took it was pretty technical. Game. Yeah, I mean, I had to split shots. There's a lot of things going on. Live without it spilling everywhere. It was fun. Yeah. I mean, there's dude. I, sometimes you do it before your time. Should have done it the next year. Everything before right? the time. I know. I'm still mad at my extra table. There's no video of I my extra table. I was like, that was undoubtedly the well, coolest. best. Yeah, definitely the coolest. Definitely coolest. the coolest performance I've ever done. So it was 2010, just regional, didn't do it at USBC because I was, I probably They changed have. the rules. They changed no, the they rules. wouldn't let Those you. Those motherfuckers, dude, they're, they're so They black. had to put some addendums together. So one of my beef, biggest beefs with the barista competitions were, one, people bring in these coffees that just are Bananas. ridiculous, yeah. dude. There's like coffees that are ridiculous that, and at this time, now we're in 2010. Before, Everybody uses Before we're now. in 2010 seven you know six seven the completely different 12, game now it's all like the way through 12 people were using like 13 quote-unquote regular coffees and now 2010 ish is kind of the first year where people it's like no holds barred we're gonna fly in all kinds of weird ass coffee we're gonna bring in coffee that doesn't exist in the company in any way shape or form and i get it you want to win but also nobody else gets to drink these fucking coffees oh, yeah. and it is just it's ridiculous to me that we're, yeah. tr we're trying to show off the best of our industry to four people for 15 minutes and not give anybody else a chance. Also, breeze competitions, super fucking boring. Yeah, they're not user-friendly. They're, they're, they're not crowd-friendly. They're, they're cool if you're in the judge's seat or if you're the one on stage. Mm -hmm. If you're from a spectator's point of view, if you're listening to someone talk for 15 minutes about this coffee that's really, really fucking good, and you'll never get to drink you it. You don't get to know anything about it. And that's so fucking whack. So I was like, this is lame, bro. We're going to fix this shit. So I brought this little extra side table, and I brought two extra place settings. So usually you have the four sensory judges, and I brought shit to seat six. And I remember that year, because we were still working at Verve, mm -hmm. and Colby's like, what are you going to do for regionals? I was like, I can't tell you. And you were the only person I uh -huh. told, and I was like, you can't tell anybody. Nobody knows at all. It was it's, so fun. It's like not going to be a thing. And Colby's like, all right, I guess I trust you. And I was like, you're going to have to. Let's go. <laughs> we're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Don't worry. It's going to be bad to Getting the bone. Getting that timing down was hard. And I it remember was super hard. You had to hustle. Yeah, I mean, you're making 50% more beverages. Right. So like during setup time, dude, start to setup time, and I set out the extra table, set up the, the extra thing. So now I got six 
settings and everyone's looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, don't even worry about it. And then when presentation time started, my whole spiel was Breeze competitions are awesome. They're super rad. They like push innovation forward. You know, we're trying to figure out how to do things faster, more efficiently, more cleanliness, like the whole kit, like we're getting technological advances. The machines are getting better. But the one thing that's getting left out is the excitement and the connection to people who are actually drinking coffee every day. So right. it's like, who in this room has never been to a barista competition before? And, you know, certain amount of people raised their hands. And I was counting. I was like, there's going to be at least five or six people who have yeah. been here who don't know what the fuck's going on. And people raise their hands. And I'm like, awesome. Uh, you and you come up here and sit at the table. And they sat at the table. So then I did the whole presentation for all of them so that they could be brought into the experience of what's happening during a barista competition, get to experience signature beverage, get to experience that awesome level of service and attention to detail and right. like mind blown. And then I had the, for the first round, I had the ace in the hole, which was your dad. Yeah. That helped you get it. That just helped you like break the ice. Cause I was like, that was honest too. He had it, never been, he had never been. Yeah. So it was true, but I was like, okay, we need to bait someone because yeah. people get nervous in public. And if no one steps up, like awkward, if someone like five people raise a hand, I'm like, come on up. And they're like, Ugh. yeah, you have a time limit. You so have like, to get people. up. Okay. There. Your dad's never been. So it's not a lie. And mm -hmm. then he can be the person who steps up and right. he'll do it. And he stepped up and then someone else stepped up right behind him. And I was like, fuck yeah, this is going to work. Yeah. And that shit was hella fun. And that it was, was hella fun. That was like, okay, this is how we bridge the gap between this fake performative thing and reality. And that was cool. And then in between regionals and USBC, they instituted a rule where you couldn't bring extra tables. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. And I think that was two things. So I think part of it might've been me Actually, part of it was for sure me. And then the other part of it, I think, was Michael Phillips. Because what he had done that year was he brought, like, three table, like, waiters jacks and basically mm. set up his own prep station right in front of the judge's table. I remember that. So that he basically never had to leave the judge's table. So you got one motherfucker who's building his own prep station on stage in Michael Phillips. And then right. you got me who's basically building a whole nother set and it was just they didn't know what to do with it yeah, like they're no like doubt. i don't this isn't really so at that point we were kind of pushing both of us are kind of pushing on the framework mm -hmm. well you're just finding and, addendums that's what right. you should do and then they're like yeah we don't like or this loopholes. anymore so we're yeah. just gonna we're just gonna chop this shit away but i was like damn that was super fun and, well, and who had the most fun Besides you, obviously, is the people who didn't expect to come taste the coffee. That's the thing. And right? there were people after that presentation, this one, I can't even remember her name, this really cool lady came up and found me. She's like, I have never had specialty coffee before. I don't even know what happened. I had no idea coffee could taste like this. That was amazing. One of the coolest experiences ever. She had Thank like curly hair, huh? I remember, yes. I was like, I remember her talking 100%. to her for a while. Yeah, that was super cool. And. Was, nice dress on, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. it was Alita that year, uh -huh. and it was a totally different kind of coffee. And I was like, that's exactly, that's the magic of right. connecting with people. Like, we're bringing the magic of, mashing up the magic of the connection of the cafe, plus, like, the super high-end service experience of the competition. <laughs> and I'm like, I got third that year in a regional. I was like, fuck winning. I don't care. I mean, if I win, yeah, I want to. I mean, double whammy, But it's sure. like, I'm going to do something memorable over winning and that was kind of the you know i mean it spoke to me but i 
I had watched Billy do that over the years and I always remembered like I don't I don't even know who won. I just remember when people are doing stuff that's bonkers. Right. Off the wall like and I just love that shit. And Absolutely. I, Me too. It, but that's the stuff. I mean, that's exactly what I think in a way, not in a way, in the way we're talking about. It's like you and I always like strove for connection and making something memorable and fun. And and that's essentially what I'm driving and wanting to do. And it's weird now with, yeah, limitations of pandem- pandemic, but also almost limitations in our jobs. Because I do, I, it's like I need to grab that and create that in some capacity. And at the same time, I need to allow the people who we've put in places to continue to grow and learn and be. And so I don't get to be the thing as consistently as I've basically practiced to be my entire life. And so there's a combination of evolution and then relearning how to apply those gifts in the ways that fill me up because there's no way I'm learning through this pandemic. There's no way I can leave that behind. It's like, there are parts of that that I need to do, but I need to figure out how to do them in the way that, it really does exactly what we're talking about. How can we make them memorable and fun and maybe teach people internally, but allow like connection externally. And that's, that's like the, the little bit of where I'm starting to explore. It's like, okay, start with Rwanda, maybe yeah. put together the next truth. Maybe grab that hopper and run into the cafes with random coffees and make coffee for people. Yeah. Cause you're talking about stuff like every week. And I think it could be, as simple as just doing some of the things that you've been talking about. So one of those things is, you know, carrying a spare hopper with you so you can make blends on the fly just just do it and make them. The other thing you've talked about a lot is doing a pop-up at Portola. We have a spare espresso machine. We have 220 where the roaster was. That's what I got to figure out if it's hooked up still. But I got it. Like, it's just like a project to manage. Yeah. But where else would it be, though? You know what I mean? Where well, we- they pulled it when we moved everything to do the remodel. They pulled. I don't know if they literally pulled it, but they did. A, they ran 220 like through the back wall to the front entrance area instead of pulling it from the current espresso space. Mm. So I don't know if it's like been moved oh maybe it's moved which is not but too there's big like a, a live 220 somewhere oh there's the live 220 all yeah. it is is i have to it'll be this just or a, a management spare thing. It's live like hit up the gc hit up the electrician like yeah and then get our cart set up and probably like figure out water it seems overwhelming in this moment Can, but it won't right. after you and i figure out our scheduling and shit so we know about the the rest of this then i'll feel like okay these are the days i can plug in time to do that that's totally true because it all looms over my head and then it feels overwhelming because you could also we could be like, Hey, Nico, can you pull that electricity in there? Right. Plop the espresso machine in there. It could sit in that room because there's a spare it. room. It could leave it and we could set up a pop-up slowly over the course of a couple of weeks. Oh, that's, and that's the, gonna, yeah, that's you, for, that's for Friday. Actually. I am going to talk about that. You know <laughs> I was going mean? to see, yeah. See how much it would cost and then see what that three group is looking like. Cause it's probably fine. The, the original probably just needs to get love. Oh, it works. It works. I think. I mean, we could wrap it. We should wrap it. You know what I'm saying? We, we can wrap it, it something psychotic and just make it weird. Right. We can make the wrap waterfall down to whatever counter we have. That'd be fun. Because you could put it on a wood, like a solid. Like a block. Like a hardwood block. Right. Or like a solid tabletop with just two ends and like have something. Could be just simple. Roll over the front, like just some weird. Just to get it look done. Like a mini weird container or something like that. Right. Or like a box. Oh, here we go. We could build a box frame, like a solid wood box frame, 
put plexi all the way around and throw some lights on it and it could glow like boom we from the, the ones, inside uh-huh. out. We you know the know ones I mean? that change colors too so we could just mess with it based on our yeah, remote absolutely. control. We could do the mood. I think we need to, I and, need to do that, and which that would I could be, easily get done. That would be sick. It's just knowing that I, I need to be able to get in there. Well, here's here's the other thing. We don't have to do it. No, I know. We think I did something. We have other it. people do it. That's what we, I need. Yeah. On sure. the most real real. Because all of those things dovetail into the experience and the storytelling we're trying to create. So in that sense, it's, you know, we can have whoever's at Portola. Right. And then, you know, if you're listening to this and you work for us, this is an ultimatum. We'll talk to you about these things. You (laughs) know what I mean? We're talking ideas here. We're talking ideas. But if, if we're like, Hey Herman, Hit up Nico and have that 220 routed in there. We're going to have the espresso machine happening. Yeah. Whoever is in the roastery who's in charge of the car, it's like, hey, bring the espresso machine over. We're going to get it wrapped and we're going to leave it on site. Like, And right. then we can be like, hey, Wiser, you're crafty. Build this box thing. you know, And then because that is just tying into marketing because we're basically creating this event which will – we generate not the event anyway, but also right. future content and the experience of Absolutely. doing it. You know, we can film the whole process and release it. And that's pretty fun. So, I mean, they'll teach somebody else to do it. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. And then we get Start to doing show up at. and like kick ass in the way that we've been talking about bringing some of those experiences that we used to put a ton of effort and energy in doing. And we do it in a new way. That's, I think what I'm struggling with is feeling like I know how to do it. But all that stuff you just talked about, it's almost like, how do I get all of that done? And it's like, you named it for sure. And hopefully all the bandwidth is there and we can make it happen. But yeah, that's the stuff where I always get hung up. I'm like, oh man, that'd be like, okay, get the thing and the stuff and all the people and project manage it, which is, I mean, I'm normally good at that. I think I'm just tired of it right now because it's been a whole year of more than a year of you and I going pretty deep in in the management. But you're right. When you say it like that, you're like, yeah, that's easy. Yeah, that's and I fall into the easy. same trap too. Like everything's pretty easy at its core. You know, it's if you do one step, most well, things are. If you, if you can easy. break We're it like down, pretty good. There's at nothing that's that. super crazy that you. I don't think there's anything we can't do. Like all of the I, all of the ideas that pop into our brain, we can totally do. It's no, just, totally. It's just taking that first stupid step, and that's. I mean, that's what I did this weekend. You know, right. we went and got coffee, and David and I, because we're setting up a space to record videos and more podcasts like a studio yeah. mm-hmm. um and with a building that we're renting it was just fucking thrash i was like man we got to clean that shit out when can we do it and david's like we could do it right now and i was like this is the fucking last thing i want to do right which is huck around a bunch of shit sweep up drywall does use the shop vac like move cars and i was like fuck it let's go dude it's like this is not going to be that fun but it's just that baby step towards something good getting it done yeah and that'll be fine and now we have a really clean space which i can take that and we can dish that over to wiser and be like hey dude game on right we, we have the area this it's, is very it's clean waiting for us to set it up like we may have to do like a final mop but it's you all do good. a final mop that's you know chill. what i'm saying do a little final mop and then you probably felt pretty good afterwards too. oh i felt super good right because i was like oh i should mop it and i should do this and i was like you know what i'm just gonna have wiser i'm like hey wiser like before we set up the studio just do like borrow the mop from the store and like do a quick little mop yeah and do mop and it's all good and like i have a really hard time utilizing the people at our disposal it's 
super tricky for me because I, by default, want to do everything by myself or do it myself or have right. a hand in it. And part of it is me being a control freak. And the other part of it is oh, I never want to make people do stuff that they don't want to do. But right. I'm like, this is literally what people are here for. That's their job. It's literally their job. I know. And it's not super gnarly either, you know? No, that's actually, I almost have an easier time having like directing the traffic. I think it's one of those things like, how do you get your energy and your excitement back about stuff when you're like, I know that'll be good, but man, it's just so, it's like the tank is low, 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 low. low. I think you just got to do three shitty things. Yeah. And then it'll be fine. It's like the classic do your three shitty things. Do the, it's do the hard stuff to make the fun stuff happen. Or just do, just start. Just start doing shit. I mean, how many times do we break out these microphones in the first five minutes? We're all, yeah. I know. And then it gets better. Cool. And then inevitably, once we start talking, things just go. You just need that flow. You just got to get in the flow state. You got to get in the flow state like soul. (laughs) Right in the middle. Cat and Cloud Podcast is sponsored by being in the flow state for (laughs) life. The Cat and Cloud Podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag it's delicious coffee wherever you are you don't need a machine there's no mess all you have to do is add hot water each steep pack is individually sealed and nitrogen flush so it stays fresh and it's got a unique immersion filter that's ultrasonic sealed which means it's sealed together with no glue no staple so there's nothing between you and your coffee experience steeped is a benefit b corp they ethically source all their coffee their packaging is fully compostable and they believe that business should be done without compromise you can get your hands on steeped coffee at steepedcoffee.com we'll have a link in the show notes for sure you can ask your local retail stores to start carrying steep or have your favorite roaster reach out and get in touch if you want steeped stuff full of cat and cloud goodness, you can snag that in our retail stores here in Santa Cruz and on our website worldwide. Basically, Steeped is doing their best to change the coffee industry and make your life more convenient with their pre-portion, pre-ground innovation. <laughs>